Welcome to The Age Stage. My name is Paula Dunn. This is a summer series of The Age Stage, which comes from a compilation of interviews and information taken throughout the year. We really hope that you enjoy it, and we'll be back at the end of January. Stuart and Thomas, welcome to the show. Hi, Thomas. Thomas. Whoop, whoop. That's what my mother used to call me. Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. You knew you're in trouble at that I'm stage. I'm in trouble when I get called Thomas. Well, welcome back. Well, thank yes. you very much. We thank missed you, you last week. Well, I don't think you did, actually. We did. We, we did. did. We, we spoke about idea. you often. Yes. <laughs> well, I know Brendan enjoyed it hugely. So that, so that, uh, and, and he's enjoy, if he's enjoying the show, then we're doing something right on the show. And we'll say you, hi to Lisa. And, and welcome to Lisa to the show, of course. Thank absolutely. You. Yes. Lovely to be here. Our, our producer, does this mean we're more controlled this week? Uh, well, I, I will find out. Is that what things. a producer does? Yes, absolutely. Okay. She well, just when you work that out, can you let me know, please? I'm just, okay. I am just, so why do you carry the big stick in, Lisa? Uh, <laughs> I'm not, just in that's case. That's for Tom. Okay, I got, I got the look. Oh, no, that was thanks, this mate. morning's episode. Let's not go there again. Please. I'm just a Muppet. That's all I am, a Muppet. Anyway, you and I, uh, just briefly, because uh, uh, Peter isn't here, and we know why, and we'd like to, I'd like to cover that off because I think it's, it's important to the show. Mm. So he's not here today, and you and I saw him both today uh, because Peter was at the funeral of his sister. Of his sister. And there was a huge uh, number of people attending the funeral, and an awful lot of them, of course, came from the village, didn't they? Yeah, where Jenny spent uh, two decades working. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful service. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Jenny was a very vibrant personality uh, all through her life, and it was just a really fitting uh, testimonial for her. And well, Peter I spoke... Oh, he was, his, his, his uh, eulogy was, was just delightful and it was, uh, it was well placed, it was well timed, it was at the end, um, it was a bit long, but, you know, the, 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 and, and as we were pointing out, when you've got elderly people there, it, it gets a bit tricky for them, that's all, more than anything else, but it was a lovely service, it was very well put together, and of course I didn't actually know that Peter and, and Jenny were brother and sister, I just never put the two of them together. So I knew Jenny from Yacht Club days, and, um, it's and a small world, isn't it's it? It's an incredible, and then I saw Peter stand up and say, I know, this is interesting. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, which binds us even the closer, which yeah. is, which is nice. So welcome to both of you and to Thomas. How's it going? It's very good to see you. You're looking very fit, fit, fit. svelte. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked, Brad. I, I got, I, I think we talked last time. I got down to my desired 81 and a half kilos for my special. daughter's wedding. Mm. Yeah, he keeps posting pretty, about pretty, it. Oh, mate, I'm so stoked. I haven't, I haven't had this. I got a 29-inch waist, mate. I haven't had one of those since I was about 25, so it's pretty cool. It's not bad, is it, mate? Oh, that's pretty good. I'm not hanging over my tummy like I was about six months ago, so it's great. I think we might move on. Yes, I I think we're feeling inadequate, Brody. (laughs) Yes, I permanently feel inadequate. I'm going to have abs once more before I'm 60. That's the deal. I thought it was just three that had these conversations, actually, but apparently not. (laughs) Oh, no. Have you got abs? Do you have abs? Do women have abs? I'm stepping out right now. Right, okay. (laughs) Do women have abs? Do they... Absolutely. Yes, they, they, they do. do. They okay. certainly do. They do. Right, okay. That's just a perfectly legitimate question. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we you must get to come, on to the series. You to come to my um, personal training. Um, oh, God, I couldn't think of anything worse. Fantastic. Oh, you me to death. Um, so today we want to talk about the influence and importance of groups and clubs and or associations for the seniors of this world and we're talking particularly as because later on we're going to be talking about things like the men's shed and and uh, and rotary from a village point of view do you have much representation from clubs and associations or group associations within your villages it works two ways brody uh Large villages can provide a whole lot of clubs and activities internally. Mm-hmm. Equally, you try and keep people connected to the clubs that mm. they've been associated with all through their life. Absolutely. But if you're still fit uh, as a you know and can drive and get around, why not stick with the bowling club where you've always bowled, mm. or the croquet club, or I mean we've had senior tennis players still go out and and uh, and play and. Uh, you know, so there's a whole range of things to keep people connected, both in a village and outside the village, and and that's that's what people, you know, us as human beings, you know, being connected to other people is a very important part of our yeah, lives. Absolutely. Do Rotary come to, or are people like Rotary or Probus? Do they actually come and talk at the village? We happen to have a Probus 
Uh, we, we hold a probus group within the village. Oh, so you've got a standalone probus group. Oh, wow. Okay. We do. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of their members have actually moved into the village. So that, that, that's a bit of a byproduct, but it's not why we did it. No. Uh, we, we were simply looking for a venue. Uh, we, we offered a venue to them. Hmm. And uh, they've enjoyed it, and we've enjoyed their relationship with us. So, so that's been really pleasing. What hmm. about you, but, Tom? Tom you, you, you don't have a I, built-in structure like that, though, do you? I, I would make this particular comment. I think that each village, the nature and the character of the village takes on the nature and the character of the people that are in it. Yeah. And, and if you take villages, particularly like yours, Stu and Pete's, um, that have been uh, probably generational, you've had a couple of generations through, then your, your, your village flows to the activity of your people. And, um, for example, hence why you would have a probus there. We have a strong rotary influence in ours, uh, and we often have rotary functions in our villages. Um, regional Victoria in particular, um, there is a strong community spirit of involvement in um, particularly volunteer clubs. And um, so I'm like used to, I tend to encourage, um, you know, we're a community where people can come home and have a gate closed and feel safe and secure, but we're not taking them out of community, we're encouraging them to continue. One of, one of the really good things about particularly country Victoria we, we spent a little bit of time managing a village up in Kyabram, uh, so free plug for Warramunda, and it is really good <laughs> free plug to see... Regional Victoria. Well, Regional Victoria, yeah, especially Fantastic, the alternative, the alternative. You yeah, know, so. they, um, what, what is really good is to see the whole local involvement of rural yeah, communities totally. around the hubs. So the hospital, the aged care facility, mm-hmm. now they provide a real um, melting pot uh, of opportunities for people to get together. And it was just a fantastic uh, few years that we had up there. Mm. And, and, I, and I suspect that that's, that's your daily life. Absolutely, and it's promoted significantly, particularly by the local newspapers. Um, uh, I think I would have said the, the local Mornington ones and everything like that miss a little bit of this now, but in, in the regional Victorian towns and papers, you know, the whole half of the back of the paper is photographs of functions, whether it's netball, football, whether it's yeah. rotary, whether it's the bridge club, whether it's the men's sheds, you know, and so if you're fortunate, you'll get your photo in there at least once a year, and of course everybody loves seeing their photo in a paper, so that all so builds So that's really why the, you lost weight oh, for, for photo opportunities. Mate, absolutely, mate, you've got to look good, there's no point in... I'm wondering what you looked like before. Oh, I was a fat man, I tell you. I, I was, no, I snapped my Achilles a couple of years ago at least, and... Um, Fishing. When you get into your... No, I was actually... <laughs> good story. I was playing beach volleyball on my 30th wedding anniversary on an outer island in Fiji with all the youngies. And we'd beaten the Fijians, and this was the return match. And I got encouraged to come and play because when I was younger, I was a rep vo- um, thingy player. And um, so I ended up playing. What's and a thingy player? Thingy player. What do you call it? You might be scared to ask that question. A pennant player or something. Sorry, it just didn't come out well. I was a, I was a representative volleyball player. Ah, so, oh, um, representative of? Volleyball. In volleyball. For the country? No, just provincial. <laughs> oh. I'm a Kiwi, mate. You know, there's not that many of us. You can represent lots of different sports over there. No, just kidding. And uh, I, snap, I snapped my Achilles, so it's Achilles. That would have hurt. It was cool. And... and that's another topic to what happened to my health, but I ended up putting on like something like 12, 15 kilo because you just couldn't do stuff. And, um, and I was on a promise with my daughter to get it all off so I could fit into my Armani suit. So there you go. Oh, please. Well, there's a plug. Oh, there's really? a plug for Armani. <laughs> Gee. That's all cool. Hugo Boss is, is, this, not, that, is, this Hugo Boss is not that good this year. <laughs> and Versace Let, just promised to get This is cash for comments. Isn't there laws about this? I think there is, actually. <laughs> so, okay, we're talking about the age stage and we're dealing with a rather classy um, audience. So oh, he's go. just on his He's just on his jacket. Well done. That's my country road jacket. Just sorry. What is going on here? It's a fashion show. Sorry, Road, we're talking about community. We, we are talking about we community. Are. Now, in the, I think that I think it's fair to say, you made a, an observation there that I think is very true, that rural community is stronger, uh, uh, there is em- empirically stronger connections. And what I mean by that is, I think, I'm putting this forward as a hypothesis now, that the probus group rurally or the or the the rotary group rurally 
has a stronger bond between the members than the Probus group or the, or the Menshed, say, in Mornington? I don't know. I, I would broaden that a bit. I think rural communities still know most people in the town. Yes. And, and that's the great joy that they have. So they still know their neighbours, you know, which, which is a bygone era in a place like rural uh, uh, Mel- Melbourne, Frankston, Mornington. You don't, you don't know as many people as you used to do in your community because we all have our doors locked, we all have our fences uh, high and the doors are closed. And, but villages get past that because villages in themselves have that, that sense of community within the environment Correct. that still lets you know your neighbours and know... I mean, in, if you look in our village with 800 people, you know, someone, any resident would know at least 100 of those people. Correct. And, and interestingly and, enough, that used to be the, the average size of a person's address book. Did you know that? 100 people wow. is about it. After that, you start to, you, you, you can't connect. Uh, uh, mm. About 110 is about the limit. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so, a, so, so that's what villages can provide yeah. in that environment, is in fact a rural community within a city. Yes. If, if yes. you look at it from that perspective. Yeah. And so if you look at villages of, you know, the larger villages, that they, they will provide a Provost Club, they'll provide a men's shed, they will have the bowling Correct. club, they yeah. will, might have the tennis club. You know, so there's, we have the croaky club. You yeah. know, there's, there's a range of activities that people can participate in and do that competitively to, to also meet the competitive drive. You know, our bowls club plays pennant bowls. So we compete in the Mornington Peninsula League. And, um, and a plug for our bowlers, they're doing quite well. As well, They did quite well last year. I'm not certain about this year. But, um, you know, it, it does meet the, the two demands of being social creatures and also maintaining that competitive spirit. And they're, they're both important to people. Mm. It's interesting. I, I was just reflecting on the topics like we're dealing with rotary and men's sheds and stuff like that. In, in our regional villi- villages... We actually have a community shed. It's been for, for us. It's been really good because a lot of the got chaps bring their tools, and whilst they're still actively involved in the town uh, men's shed, uh, they really like to have their own space. We call it a community shed because some of the lasses are terrific. They are really good. We've got a lady in our village that built a replica model of the um, the steamboat or tugboat that used to. Uh, go down in the lakes. Oh, and it's, really? It, it's awesome. It is something else. The Emilu. Is that the Emilu? Yes, that's the one. Oh, that is it. Did, it have, did it have a steam engine? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. Wow. That's pretty sure it did. Well, it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to espouse yeah, this yeah, particular yeah. woman's ability <laughs> yeah, yeah. at all. So the men, of course, were pretty... They were feeling, cross uh, about that. No, it was all good. <laughs> but but one, here's, a, here's a comment, I, and I was, I was pretty amazed about it. I remember getting a delegation of about six um, uh, ladies come to me and they said, Campy, can you just get the shed up and going? We're sick of these blokes. We need them to have a beer down in a shed because that's really why they go there. It's not so much about doing the stuff anymore. It's actually about the connectivity and getting them out of having a beer in the garage at home next to the thing. In fact, I would suggest to you I've got probably at least 30 blokes that would prefer to go down to the shed and have a beer and chat than go to the community centre. Even though the community centre's got all the bells and whistles in it, that's where they'd rather go. They feel much more at home there. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's just a regional thing, uh, but I, um, it's an, again, you, 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 we create facilities uh, and have amenity that's just got to be wide and broad. I, I tend to like our community centres to be like large church halls. They've got to be multifaceted multi-purpose so that you can do all the things that people want to do and that evolves and changes over the life of a village you know well i remember at the at the mornington yacht club when i first went there there used to be a workshop shed Mm -hmm. that was run by a guy called pete and he had a fridge (laughs) he had a fridge (laughs) he had a fridge was he the only person in mornington with the fridge no but he was the only person other than the club itself to have a fridge a fringe and and um The interesting part of this was he had a perfectly good clubhouse with all the facilities and everything else, but there was a hardcore that would meet down at his shed. They bought their own beers, not from the club either, because Mm -hmm. they were too expensive, and they would um, 
put their stash in the fridge and they would come down night after night after night. They wouldn't, there was every now and again a couple got out of control. But you're right, it was that process of sitting and just being with a group of like-minded people that didn't judge, they weren't, they didn't really care. They cared about your if you if you showed signs of not being happy, yep. then they'd say, you know, what's the matter? And you solve the but problems of the world. Absolutely, absolutely. So and then you wonder why people don't adopt those, uh, well, those it, solutions. It's really important for mental health and well-being, mm. these sorts of things. And, and in fact, there's a lot of, um, um, you know, quite articulate programs that are implemented through men's sheds and so on in order to do that. Yeah, that's, got a that's not my phone. phone. Is it yours? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was mine. That was, was mine, kind of Lisa. Cool. It was me last yes. week. It was me last week. No. It's, it's my um, husband. Sorry if, about if that. If you talk to um, one of the founders of the men's shed movement, he he would reiterate that a lot of the people don't go there to actually Make do anything. anything. No, that's right. It, it, they simply go for the companionship. They do, and and that's really important, and that that's for males and females, but especially males, as females are much more rounded social creatures. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas males aren't. Males tend to work all their lives and then say, "What are we going to do next?" Because they haven't made those types of connections. I think the the, the, the interesting one of the interesting things about the if you, if I compare the men's shed to the yacht club, for example, with this camaraderie, one mm. did have the spur of alcohol. There's no question that that was true. Uh, but it wasn't large quantities. The other one, of course, is that it, and we don't have any alcohol at all. And the reason that we don't is because we're cognizant that a number of the men that come have had an alcohol problem. And so mm. to allow them the ability to have a full and unpanicked relationship, no alcohol is permitted. And, of course, you can't have it when you're... You know, playing with chainsaws and yeah, it's unwise. See who that's up. You know, it's only a flesh wound. Yes. Yeah, we can all do the Monty Python (laughs) skit. Otherwise, you'd want the hospital located right next door, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, that'd be ideal. But we do have nurses on site. Oh, okay. So you know, we we kind of go halfway in that way. So have you had? Have you? You're so cool, Stewie. Have you had any push buttons and wait for the ambulance? (laughs) Have you had any injuries at your shed? Uh, No, we actually haven't had any injuries at our shed. Uh, Look, that's. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're delete, not going to ask. We're not going to ask you at that one. <laughs> now, look, look again. I suppose this gives. Uh, um, this is a bit of a plug for a village environment too. Our managers and our work environments yep. are quite sophisticated places now. Yep. There's a there's a uh, there's a lot of awareness about occupational health and safety, oh. and um, in fact, we help. Oh, mind you, the residents are pretty cool on that. They drive this as well. A lot of safety procedure, different things have got to happen, the buddy systems, all that sort of mm. stuff to make sure that, because uh, um, uh, accidents do happen mm. eventually, that um, there are systems in place to deal with that. Can so. I have a bit of a, a bit of an alternative take on that, Tom? You do? One of the things... A man with a red tie. ...is really a little bit disconcerting in the modern era. You've had a group of guys who have been used to going out, working, doing something. You know, if, if someone needs something fixed in their unit, yeah, then guys will go and do that. But now the question is, oh, is, is this safe enough to do? Yeah, Are we yeah. going to get into trouble yeah. to do it? Yeah, yeah. And what if something goes wrong? And I just think that's really sad that it's you've got sad. people who, wanted, who want to volunteer and contribute yep. now are being second-guessed by others to say, well, we really shouldn't be doing that now. And, and you look at the demise a, of a, that, that whole perfect example of the shed. Then they they make they made a special stand for uh, uh, girls with a girl with cerebral palsy so that she could stand next to the sink with her mum, mm-hmm. and it was a cage that went around it, and it was perfectly mm-hmm. solid, it's beautifully made, and somebody just asked the question, what would happen if she fell out of the cage? Yeah, and everyone said, oh. Well, we'll probably get sued. And so, yeah, yeah, you probably better would. scrap it. So, exactly. Yeah. And Which that is really just so tragic. It is tragic, isn't it? Yeah. And so, so, personally, I think you just get on and do it and just say, well, we'll fight it in court. You know, we'll just go turn up and say, well, if, you, if you're not allowed to breathe here, then we'll all just lie down and die. I don't care. But I think as a society, they're the things that we need to take cognizance we of. We do. That, you're absolutely you know, right. We can't 
you know, people will volunteer yep. and they will do their best effort yes. uh, to, to meet... And the mistakes will be made. It's a reality. Yeah, exactly. And now, as long no as you're not being stupid... Yeah. As long, as, long as you've applied the level of skill that yep. one would expect you to be able to provide, then let, let's try and promote those sorts yep. of things. But, you know, it really is sad to see people now stepping back from that particular element. And that's affecting our shed. Yes. That's affecting our workshop for our residents. Yeah, it's a tough that. one, isn't it? Yeah, you, how do you legislate against common sense and you're trying to encourage people just to do the right thing yeah. and be sensitive about it? And, and equally, whilst as an employer we're all really cognizant of, of health and safety, but at some point we need to recognise that living is a dangerous business mm-hmm. and we, sh- we should allow people to take risks of providing they're balanced well, I think I think you'll find that people will actually fall over and die <laughs> if they don't actually get the opportunity to take risks yeah. and actually step outside their comfort zone because yeah, you may as well right. just stay in bed for the rest yeah, of exactly. And life. that's no way to live. That's not living. No. So, and I think it's when it, I think that the law refers to it as being a reasonable person. So, what would a reasonable person do in these circumstances? And as long as you don't extend beyond, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'll preface it by saying I'm not. This is paralegal advice. Mm-hmm. Um, that, it, that's for show disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Did you like the bit? <laughs> yeah, it's I did. underneath. It's in the fine print. Um, but I think it's important that you, we shouldn't allow, um, you know, the fact of uh, due diligence. And I mean, due diligence is important, but it shouldn't um, circumvent uh, general kindness or gener- uh, generosity or, um, you know, stepping in and actually helping somebody when, even if you're not, you know, if you want to make that step up the ladder and actually change the light bulb, you don't have to wait for the serviceman to come along. Maybe you do. Do you have to wait for a serviceman to come along? <laughs> I should have asked that question yeah. first. <laughs> My ladies like the serviceman to come along. Uh, <laughs> right. 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 Um, you say that. Here we go. <laughs> we, we, we would encourage if, if, you're, if you're a husband and wife combination or two mm. people living in the unit yep. um, and one of you is capable of changing the light, mm. we would say go ahead and do it. And if you're comfortable to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If you're by yourself and you're 90 and you're going to stand on a chair, mm. which might be a bit rickety, we'd say we'd re- we would rather you call us mm. to actually mm. come and do that because mm. we, we want to make certain that you are safe to continue residing in your home. Absolutely. I, th- I think to answer your question, Lise, is that there is a, there's a point where the legalism, you can really go over the top. I, I like to think, given the, the nature of the people that we have in our village, they're generally very much... Um, level-headed and there's a common sense and they have a, um, a good value and a good attitude towards the places that they're yeah. in. But accidents can still but happen. But accidents can still happen. You know, and if you consider like the accident we're having right now is that we're talking far longer than we should. There's an accident. Oh, oh, is that an accident? <laughs> we must be flowing in something. It, it's a company. <laughs> we have to call it. We have to, have to call it which there. On today, the sad day where, where, where Peter has lost his... Beloved sister, yeah. condolences and, to the family. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yep. And uh, you know, our hearts, our hearts are with you. And while you heal, we'll be there for you, won't we? Absolutely. Terrific. Yeah. On that note. So welcome to the show, guys. We have Peter Nilsson, Tom Camp. And we have Paula Dunn with us as well. Hi, guys. Now, you two, sh- you two yeah. have to behave in the way that you have to share a microphone. So lean across. Oh, so we lean across. Yes, but don't steal it. Yes, I was about to say, pretend you're singing a duet together. Well, <laughs> welcome to the show, everybody. And yes. Now, I'd like to throw the script right out the window. Oh, oh. Peter. Oh. And I like Paula's psychoanalyze. Tom and I. Yes. Oh. <laughs> what is it? I don't know if we have enough day, time. Yeah. It might take a little time. <laughs> yes, well, I saw the initial report. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Haven't we only got an hour for <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> going to go and lie on the couch. Okay? <laughs> the next topic is called euthanasia. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome all to the show. Thanks. Thanks for turning up. Great to be here. <laughs> so, so today we wanted to talk about... Uh, in retirement village life, there's obviously issues that arise, um, whether that be a health issue or another type of issue for one of your residents. Now, we were chatting earlier, Peter, and you're saying, now, you're not uh, here as the problem solver, so to speak, but more the facilitator. Not not my skill set, no. No, but you are the facilitator of being able to to work with these sort of problems. Managers of villages and owners of villages have many and varied roles, but clearly they've got a community that live 
in the village. Yes. And in all communities, from time to time, people have issues. And one of the great things about a retirement village is that there are people who can help you hmm. work your way through those issues and help you solve them. So my skill set is not really to advise people, but to find the right people who can advise them. Um, so we have a, and so does Tom, I'm sure, and so does Stuart, a large network of other people mm. who are experts in their field and uh, our role, I believe, is to introduce the two. Yes, and, and they may not be staff members. They, no. These are people that may be yes. external parties that yes. can provide services yep. or, or advice, yes. that sort of thing. Correct. I mean, a village is just a snapshot of any community, so yes. we're no different. And people's lives, you know, they wax and wane between happy and sad times. Mm-hmm. And it's important in the, in all those environments that there are people there who can support each other. And and that, that happens at two levels in a village, clearly between residents themselves as neighbours and also between residents and the staff. Um, right. Yeah, and the nurse on duty, etc. Um, if I reflect on how that works at the Village Glen, we have our regular staff meetings and... Uh, the nurse attends that, as does all the staff, and we always have discussions about people in the village who we think are struggling on some particular issue okay. and what we can do to help them. Right. And the two most important people in that exercise generally, number one would be the receptionist. Right, because they're having that one-on-one face-to-face contact with them so regularly are. with your and, residents. And there's a, a big trust between residents and the staff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the and the residents share most intimate details sometimes yes. with the receptionist because that's someone who they trust. Yes. And, and I think that's the first part of any, I suppose, a process to deal with problems is you've got to find people you trust. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the maintenance yeah. people too, I yeah, find, the maintenance, Pete, as exactly. well. Um, yeah. because, because they're, they're around the, the house. And they're the yeah. eyes in the field, if yes. you like. And... Um, and often that's a, an indication mm. too. I think it's a it's an informal sort of thing, though, isn't it? Very Peter, informal. Very informal. Yep. I, I think part of the safety and the security that people feel in the village is that um, we 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 are able to identify some telltale signs if there are issues. Right. And and I, from my perspective, our first point of call is to really then speak to family. Yeah. Peter, that's what yep. we tend to you know tend to do, and mm. and make sure family are involved. Uh, they come in, uh, assess mum or dad, and yep. talk it through. Because and, sometimes, and as Pete said, we're there sorry. to facilitate mm. uh, other agency involvement if that's appropriate. So sometimes, sometimes people would be coming. Remote. Yes. So that makes it more difficult. Correct. Um, mm. And on those occasions, uh, after our staff meeting, the, the nurse would pick up on on what the issues are for mm-hmm. some people, and would make it her business to knock on the door and go and have a chat. Right, um, and because they've noticed something, they've picked something up, yeah. so then they'll just spend yeah. some time with that particular yeah. resident to sort of nut it out, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And the nurse, our nurses are all Div 1s and they're clearly clinically trained, but they're, they're yes. also more like community nurses, so mm-hmm. they're, they're much more than just you know blood pressure and temperature sort of thing. They're much more than that. Yes. And they, they're tuned in to clearly what the resident's um, needs are and then... They'll report back, and we, we, we will together uh, find the right outcome. And normally, it works very well. You have a res- both have not re- resident necessarily, but you have visiting doctor services, don't you? We have visiting GP service. We have visiting professionals. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. we don't actually specifically have doctors. Oh, you don't? But, um, okay. No, because we, we've got a medical centre next door. So, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but um, no, but we have visiting professionals across right. the broad range. Um, Are they a bit like the hairdresser, you know, they come in every Tuesday at 10 o'clock or something? Uh, We definitely have hairdressing and things like that. No, no, but I mean... I was sort of thinking more podiatrists. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. So they're always there on a regular basis. Yeah. 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 Do the... Do, do, do you have a doctor in your place do you, that comes in? We used to. Oh, oh you, you don't anymore either? Uh, no. Um, okay. the, the doctor used to have a surgery within the village. With this modern world of accreditation and all those sort of things you've got to do, um, the federal government said that, that for the doctor to run the, his rooms in the village, he had to have full-time staff there. Well, clearly, he used to come Mondays and Friday afternoons. That's unaffordable. Of course yes. it is. And, and 
now we're in a modern computer world, you had to have all your computer systems in the village. So the doctor used to come with his files mm-hmm. of those people he wanted to see. Yes. Um, that's taboo. You can't do that anymore. Right. So what happens now is uh, the, the same doctor services our residents and we've now booked out Monday afternoons at his clinic mm. and our residents then make appointments to see him. Right. During and those set times? During that set time, so they, they still see their doctor. And for those of our residents who don't drive, we organise free of charge transport to and from. Oh, that's mm. very good. It's yeah, good, so use, good use of the uh, community bus, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But also, I suppose it allows your residents, if they have another doctor that they've been seeing for yep. most of their their life, they can just continue to see their yes. their, their own GP exactly. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But is dip- and coming this is coming on to depression. I would assume that depression is something or unhappiness. Let's put it mm. that way. Yeah. Uh, unhappiness is a thing that can uh, easily be picked up by your receptionist and I'd like to cover that off later because I yep. believe they're a hugely underrated yes. point of connection in, in so many ways but you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear the way that you're talking about her. We call our girls no. the window to the world. Yeah, oh, well, you know, That's great, that's great. Your front, um, of, house, your front of house is yeah. super important. Yeah, yeah, you but, know. How, but how many people don't get that? Mm. You know, because well, my, my, no. my beloved is a, a receptionist at, at, uh, uh, in Hastings at, at Community Health and she's done it for a very, very, very long time and uh th- but you know they treat it they treat it community. in my opinion i think that there is this you know it's not that important you know we have our doctors and we have our dentists here and we've got our psychiatrists and we've got mm-hmm. our pa- you know, pediatricians they're they're important mm-hmm. and i don't get that you don't get it well, well the thing is is our business is a people business yes. so you know mm-hmm. our our resident is in in most senses that's why we're there Mm. So we're there to serve them. We're there to look after them. So if uh, if, she that, never compl- if that I mean, value system's I'm, not flying through every staff member, yep. um, then you were actually missing it. I, I'm, I've got to be careful here because it may, you know, people may well be listening to this, and there's a good opportunity for it might get back to it. But and she doesn't complain about it. I just become aware of it, mm. you know. And then, and I've been there. I used to go and you know drop things off to her, and she would be very busy, and you could tell mm. that there was this, and there there wasn't. To me, there was because it's. I guess it's maybe because it's government. Who knows? Anyway, that's off topic. But what what is on topic is. Uh, <laughs> Have we got any jobs going, Peter? <laughs> what is on well is on topic is is, uh, is is this supply of of additional support on an as needed basis? Yes, indeed. And villages yeah. do that. Yes, clearly. Yep. Okay. The better, well. the better villages. Yeah. The better villages <laughs> do. Well, you know, it's, it's a good question to ask if you're going to put your mum and dad in one, isn't it? No, that's where we don't use. No, what, if we I don't was... put anyone anywhere. No, but if I no, it's <laughs> like calling it's like calling them inmates. They're yeah. not really inmates. No, no, but it, but they if I was to, going to. They choose to become a resident. <laughs> they choose to. But in my, lang- in my language, yes, that's where I'll be putting. You know, putting my <laughs> mum and dad. Brody, yes, lean in and concentrate. We don't put anybody <laughs> anywhere. Okay. Well, when should my parents have ever elected to have done it? It would have been a question prior to them electing to decide to, to make a choice that in this matter that's yeah. that, that these facilities yeah. were available. Yeah, and, and when you understand from that perspective, the lead times for people to move into a village can be many months, if not years. So they form, form relationships with us well before they join us. Now, that, yeah. from what you were saying about doctors and now not having to be able to come in, clearly... Uh, there are things to do with your association, your collective industry, yes. where things suddenly happen at a political level. Yes. The doctors can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. That has been made as a decision that is at a, at a, at a, a governance level, for mm-hmm. want of another description. What is the re, what, what are the relationships that you, your industry has with government? Because, in my opinion... You hold a big block vote. I would have thought that big block vote is of great value to any political party. And therefore, there would be an interest in talking with your representatives. That's very topical. You you would have heard yesterday the Treasurer, Morrison, speaking about um, the new housing policy. Yes. Yes. Our industry association, which is the Retirement Living Council, which is the Division of the Property Council of Australia, for some years now have been lobbying, is a good word, 
the government to say that there are a lot of people living in the inner ring suburbs of, of all our capital cities in houses falling down around their ears um, and don't move because they're pensioners and the minute they sell their properties, they lose their pension yes. because they have clearly yeah. a lot of money. Yes. And for them, the pension is something that is a right and they don't want to lose it, so they don't move. And that locks out all the younger people with young families. It means the schools don't have enough children. There are a lot of reasons why people should be moving out of their houses into downsizing, if you like. And yes. one of the options in downsizing is clearly a village. So the government, um, after many years of lobbying, have now decided, and they haven't announced what it is at the moment, but they've now decided that there will be a proportion of the funds that are generated in excess of buying somewhere else which are going to be exempt from the income and assets test right. for their pension, which means that, that's a great outcome. Yes. And so, yes, we do have a peak body. There are a number of peak bodies across our sector. Um, the, the RLC, as I just said, we're talking to Living Council. There's LASA, which deal with aged care as well as independent living. There is um, AXA, which deal with more of the not-for-profits yeah. in our sector. And then there is um, the Guild, which is a number of the larger listed property companies who have formed an industry association. Each one of those bodies have a, a secretariat and a chief executive and their role is to is, is really about policy and mm. talking to government about the issues from government. our sector yeah. and how can governments tune into those and make policy for all of us. Yeah, so it, it, there's probably too many of them. My personal view is that the trouble with our industry is there are four peak bodies and therefore the government um, probably don't take us all seriously enough. If there are only one or two, they might. They can play it off against. So uh, yeah. you yeah. as an individual village, uh, yes. do you have to be a part of one of these particular no. industry bodies? No, are they there? F they're not that it's sort of membership thing. type yeah. thing for, for providers? Mm. It's. But we talked earlier do on... You, yeah, we, you give them input from... Like, yeah. you guys are the front yeah. line here. <laughs> um, yeah. So do you have that uh, communication line, for want of a better it's term? It's very important to have that. When we were talking before about, at the village, our role as facilitators, mm -hmm. um, one of the great strengths of industry bodies is they have, clearly they have regular meetings of managers and groups. Yes. You get to form relationships with colleagues um, Rather than competitors, they're colleagues. Yes, and yeah, I think it's, um, it's a very collegiate it's, industry, yeah. isn't it? It's a very collegiate industry, Peter. It is, and um, yeah, and I, and I was talking before about um, about uh, your network of people. Nothing in this world is new; it's just new to you. So yes. the trick is to find someone who knows the answer. That's the great part about industry bodies: is you can, like Stuart Shaw and I have been mates for a long time running our own businesses really but we call each other every other week about particular issues did, did you what would you do in this circumstance right. and he and he's um you know very good at his job and he says oh we had that exception and this is what we did so it's great to have colleagues who can ring without fear or favor and and just say look i don't know what to do here what? yes and and, and, and actually share experience that's the network i was talking about yes. um at, at, a, at a village manager level, and there are lots of other levels within that which you can refer people to, yeah. yeah. Mm. And Stuart's good for shouting lunches, and Pete's good <laughs> to ring up and find out what red wine to drink on a Friday. So there Tell you go. Me. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> it's very true, Brody. Right. Um, the <laughs> uh, do, do you sense that your industry is gaining political... Uh, capital? Well, that's really the guts of your first question too, Brody. Because um, um, you should. The, the answer is, is we are getting some traction. Yeah. Um, as Pete said, we've got a number of industry associations yep. that represent the different uh, groups. Um, interesting though, in our industry, um, retirement village law is actually different from state to state. Yes. So that, that's, yeah. oh, okay. that's, that's yeah. a major issue. So yeah. you might want to go into, enter into a um, retirement village in New South Wales 
and the contracts and the statutory law you have to abide to is totally different from Victoria. So is there any movement within those four bodies that you're speaking about is to try and yeah, well, the retirement you, you know, bring that all in line across the country so people know where they're standing? Or well, I don't think so. It, it would be a mistake, I think, personally. Right, to, uh, to bring it all in think, line across the country, yeah, is that what you're I saying? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, cl- clearly, the Aged Care Act is a is a Commonwealth Government right, Act. Right, so that's so they national. look. The Aged Care Act looks after residential care, like nursing homes, if you yes. like. Also looks after home care. Right. But independent living retirement villages, as Tom says, is a state based mm. um, legislation. Right. Um, and I think it needs to stay that way. Is that because well, centralisation in sometimes is, is a good thing, but otherwise it's a bad thing. Um, okay. I think I think. The regulation Victoria is manageable, isn't mm. it? They're always reviewing it, right? Um, Which is always a good sign, I suppose, that they're not. Oh, well, you've got a policy of continuous some, okay, improvement, yes. yeah. and um, and we've seen that in our mm. industry. Uh, I think our contract yeah. contracts and contract law are a lot better than what they were. Yes, um, you'd, you'd, you know, the odd horror story you hear now, um, you know, they're contracts that are twenty years old. Mm. You know, so right. that they're not part of the new regime of. Um, uh, of activity and statutory requirement that so um, even though each state it. is different, do you see that not that we're saying everyone's going to be the same, but do people sort of go, oh, I like it how from a governing bot perspective, do they sort of see, oh, how Victoria's doing it? Maybe Queensland needs to take heed of some of those changes, or you know, a bit of that a competition sort of, have, I, I, of who's got the better option. <laughs> I'm not a believer in conspiracy theories, however. <laughs> Let's hear one, Peter. <laughs> I, th- I think they um, from what I know, Australia-wide, each uh, each state or territory yes. are continually reviewing, and they're picking the eyes out of what they perceive are the best right. of mm. the other states. So it's, everyone is trying to do as best as they can, and in con- continually yes. improving, as you're saying, Tom. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. as with all things, Vicky, um, unfortunately, laws are written. For, for very good reasons, mm-hmm. and there's always unintended consequences. Mm. Yes, and unfortunately, sometimes the people who draft the, the ideas there, the draftsman doesn't quite get it. Right. The the written word becomes the Bible, and sometimes the written word does some bad things. And right. There are a is number that in regard to interpretation of the written yes, word. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and so uh, it, you've got to be very careful when you when you you know cherry-pick yes. parts of legislation that there aren't unintended consequences. And mm. there have been a, a few over the years. Like in Queensland, they amended their law some years ago because there was a bit of an issue um, in some villages um, with uh, CapEx spending on the infrastructure and who should pay for it. Yes. So some bright person thought it would be a good idea that the village every two years got in a, or every five years or something got in a... A, quality, a quantity surveyor to value the village and say what needs to be done. Now that became a huge problem in terms of the cost. Yes. Of of num- number one, the cost of paying the consultants' fees to to look actually at, do look that. At all the infrastructure, and then <laughs> the cost of actually budgeting for that. Yes. So it's as I say, that was an un- and I think they've. Pull back, pull from, back that. from that absolutely because right. it caused some major issues, particularly for the smaller players. I mean the big. The big um, listed property players don't—they have the balance sheets to to do that. But yes. the smaller not-for-profits and you know the local Lions Club in Victoria and country towns run villages of fifty units. They—they yes. they don't have the wherewithal no. to no, to course. run that sort of thing. So when you bring in a law, clearly it has to apply to every village. And there are some people where it could have sent them broke. Yes, which yeah. is which is not what was the intent. No. Mm. Mm. Well. On that note, we've done our half hour, which has been very exciting. It's gone gone in a flash. And uh, our next segment, uh, which we're all going to stay for. and pl- oh. Because we haven't let Paula 
No, no. <laughs> she couldn't get a word. She, she hasn't yes. enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> she hasn't said a word. Given she's the real she's expert. She's very here. interested <laughs> in what's going on, though. So we're going to get her in for this. So, so you guys. She's now going to psychoanalyze us. Yes. 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 <laughs> she is. But in the meantime, we'll have, have a tune. A word, not only Across the Peninsula, 98.7, 98.3, got Paula done with us now, and we're going to let her have a few words with us. Um, so, Paula, you're a psychotherapist, is that yes, correct? Yes, that's right. Can you explain yeah, right. exactly what um, a psychotherapist is A psychotherapist is a counsellor, right. so an analyst. So people come to me with their issues and problems, which are many and varied. Yes. And, um, yeah, I help them from a psychological point of view, as holistically as I possibly can. Wonderful. Yeah. And have you been doing this for many years? I have been doing it for well over 20 years. Wow. Yeah, wow. long time. Mm. Gosh. Saved many a marriage, I would have guessed. Um, that's, that is, yeah. That's part of it. It's quite interesting. That's a, a bit of an oxymoron with me, considering I'm divorced. But, yeah, <laughs> um, yes, it's my area of expertise, is couple therapy. I really like it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, with old... <laughs> With older people, um, uh, I'm glad we, we, we are going to get television in here. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think we do. It is coming, Brody. That would be worth the Facebook Live seeing that one. Um, With older people, mm-hmm. uh, when they enter that phase in life, uh, retired and what have you, does does their do their problems change? It, because for, for a start, they're suddenly living in probably in great proximity once again, mm. uh, which is. You know, they're retired, they're both living at home and under each other's feet. I would have thought that mm. was a starting point. for. It, look, it can be. I, I think the, the main issue I see is isolation and the lack of socialisation, which is where lifestyle villages are fantastic, I think, to encourage that social activity um, because one can become really depressed. Um, and by depressed, I mean they start to ruminate and focus on the past, past events, Mm-hmm. What, how maybe they could have done things better or not so, or they become very anxious about what might happen, what could happen in the future for them, health-wise or family conditions, whatever it might be. So when they're on their own, they can either be in one or other of those states, depressed or anxious. And I think when you're in a village or a lifestyle village situation, you're far more, um, that's far more able to be identified from people from the receptionist to the maintenance man, as the guys were talking about, um, to be people coming to visit. And, and you've got to remember, too, a lot of people don't have family. Yes. Has, it, has there been studies to sort of show, like, general population, you know, in older seniors, that feeling of isolation, that, that percentage of those suffering depression versus those within a, a, a community such as a, a retirement village, et cetera? I'm not aware to, of a particular no. study. I don't know if you guys are. Yeah, yeah there, there have been. Absolutely. There's a lot of anecdotal studies right. done about people who choose to live in the village environment uh, have a longer life, mm. but more right. importantly, less health issues for that. In fact, um, I think there was a New Zealand study done You'll have to move in a bit closer, guys. There was a New Zealand study done some years ago um, where they said they quantified it by saying about five years, on average, people mm. who chose living to, versus the average age of those who passed. Right. The village people were living up to five uh, years. Up to longer. five years longer. And and that because of that network last, and that last little while of their lives were their major health issues. The the balance of their lives were lived fairly health issue free. Right. Mm. Mm. And it makes sense. I mean, I think it does anyway, because the, the killer f- in terms of, in my view, is stress. Mm. And Absolutely. a village environment is a pretty close to a stress-free environment, isn't it? There's no such thing as a stress-free environment, but villages yeah. go jolly close. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Stress is a good motivator, though, too. Mm. I mean, I don't think we can ever eliminate stress from our lives completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, stress is what gets us out of bed in the morning. You know, we've got to meet certain you know, requirements or deadlines or pay the mortgage or whatever it might be. It's when it becomes distress. Yeah, but I'm thinking rather than stress, anxious is a good word. Anxious is a much better word. Yeah, absolutely, anxious. I'm sort of meaning anxious. Yeah, definitely. Anxious and fearful. Yeah. And once again, it's learning strategies to be able to handle that. Absolutely. And cope with those things. And And half the thing is creating a good environment, you know, um, where uh, people are encouraged to be positive about, their future, their life, and so on. Yeah, on a day-to-day basis, on in a, a day-to-day in a basis. lifestyle. Yeah, and, that, and that's the environments we try and create. Yes, is is um, some you know from a, from emotional 
and a physical perspective, that's what we do. The mm. whole downsize takes the physical stress out of things. Mm. Your emotional well-being and your outlook on life is based around quality of time, quality of the people around you, and good planning for your future mm. and having something to live for. And, yeah. uh, and we, we go to great lengths to encourage people to do it. Now, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make no, him drink. No, you can't. Yes, that's that's quite right. it, True. And, and, and my attitude is, is that um, we'll do everything we can to allow you to have a great life and finish well, uh, but it's still up to you to take up the challenge and get on with it. Yes, exactly. Um, so but once yeah. again, in a lifestyle environment, if things are going really pear-shaped for that person, that individual, you, it can be identified Absolutely. a lot faster than if they were just living home. on their own at home and Meals on Wheels were coming in once a, a day or whatever. I had an interesting experience when I went to visit uh, Mountain View at Leangatha. One it's of a your, very good village, one, one of those, isn't it? <laughs> and, and Lingatha, Mountain View. The Fantastic. lovely um, Rose, who was the Matt Rosa, who's the manager down there. The gorgeous Rosa. Um, took me and showed me around. Um, and she was saying how we went to the, um, the community hub part, you know, and she was saying how they all come up for happy hour, which is supposed to be at 5 o'clock, but they start coming up at 3.30. <laughs> That's so my kind of happy hour. I thought that was fairly positive. Blowing <laughs> you know. the service fee budget a couple of times, that's for sure. Yeah. So it's well, because they're wanting to get together. Yeah, yeah. wanting to get together, yeah. have a chat, have a yeah, drink. You, those views are pretty good. Pool, those know. views are pretty good. Yeah, they are yeah, good. Pretty nice. yeah. What about marital relationships at the senior part of life? It's a different paradigm, isn't it? It is, companionship. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that you're there to care for each other. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, our sexual desires stop. They certainly do not. Um, and, you know, couples can go on well, well into their, you know, late 80s, 90s, having a really fulfilling sexual life, mm. you know. Wow. Um, yeah. There's hope for hope us, for There's hope for us, buddy. Hey. So, um, yeah. No, it is true. I think it's a, it's a, it's a very important topic because yeah. uh, it's it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of people go, ugh. You know, yes. but they don't when you're 17, but, uh, mm. you know, and, and that, that's wrong. Mm. It doesn't, just doesn't make sense. But do you, as a counsellor, do you find that, that, uh, that move, people moving into that, that sphere of life, the, the pressure of suddenly being retired, mm-hmm. the days come and all that sort of, it must be a difficult phase. It is, and it's a process couples. that they need yeah. to work through. I have a couple at the moment that I'm working with, and that's happened exactly like that. Yeah. He's retired. She has had her life doing what she does and he's all of a sudden arrived mm-hmm. on a 24-hour basis. So um, she needs to get used to that. She needs to become patient mm. with him as he transitions through to that, you know, that same sort of living. And at the same time, he needs to respect what she already is experiencing. And that's where you come in to give, yeah, give him the necessary right. tools and skills to be able Absolutely. to... Absolutely. So they would come to me as a couple yeah. and it's like going back to the beginning, okay, what attracted you to this person? Mm. You know, and, they, and we go through the whole process. Uh, I'll give them a lot of homework, a lot of practical work, uh, and you can see it actually unfolding again and the flame starts again and it's really rewarding.